Hello and welcome back to another visit to the awesome village, Cageless this time, unfortunately. My name is Greg and joining me is... John. Glenn. Ryan. Um, so, like, we got a lot of good feedback, Ryan? A lot of good feedback about the Cage episode. We'll have what, to what's, what is uh, some of the, the things people are saying? Um, I heard, let's see, uh, I heard some comments about... Your impressions of Cage went over well with a lot of people. Found it to be very humorous. I actually found it hilarious, and I was recording it with you, but when I listened to it back, it was pretty funny. And then I actually laughed at John's impression of Val Kilmer saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. You know what one? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was something unique, something different. We had never done an episode. Well, we've done something stuff similar, but it, I, I think uh, we'll have to do more singular features like that. It was really fun to record. I mean, I, I, I compare this to like when we did the interviews. Yes, yes, yeah. same thing. <clears throat> Something different with the format, but it also is a uh, very... Amazing. You know, obviously, Cage is way more interesting than us. Could, yeah. yeah. Would you imagine if we interviewed Cage? Oh, hey, if Ryan, only. Give me one of those seltzers. <laughs> Someone, you know, a man can dream, right? Yeah. What do you think he'd be for tropical lime or blackberry lime? He'd probably mix them. <laughs> what with some cocaine? <laughs> In fact, I got one of my coworkers to watch Face Off for the first time. The really? first time? Mm-hmm. And, and how was that glorious experience? Oh, he loved it. He said he was surprised how well it held up. And he's like, have they ever thought about remaking that? And I'm like... I hope not. No, and I, saw, I, said, I saw some story, I couldn't tell if it was real or not, where some people were joking around saying they should redo it with um, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. No, no, no. no. See, see, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. All right, guys. And I'm talking to people in Hollywood out there right now. You don't now. remake perfection. It's not you're you're right, but I'm not just talking about that. Stop remaking stuff that was good. Go remake something that was a piece of shit. Some yeah, something that was like a good idea but turned out to be a piece of shit. Yeah. Make it better. Like that's why I'm glad they can't remake Back to the Future. Right. Why can't they not do that? Apparently something with the rights where Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis had pretty much said that I mean, until they die that it'll never happen. So like Go remake remake Spawn. There are well, trying Spawn. to good because the that, Jamie Fox is the Spawn. Great because that first one was terrible. Go remake shit that was terrible. <laughs> Ballistic X versus Ever. Yes, remake absolutely. Catwoman. Cat <laughs> I mean, I heard they were coming out with a new Mortal Kombat. Awesome, perfect because oh, I didn't like the original. The movie. original, original Mortal Kombat was, was fun. fun. It was the it's, second one. Well, my main problem, and this is maybe because of the time it came out, there were no fatalities. And I heard there's going to be fatalities well, in this when one. when they tried to shoehorn uh, animalities and stuff like that into the second one, it didn't work well, out. Well, I mean, so and plus the first one, it was, it was PG-13. So exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, we got to go R with Mortal Kombat. Are they making it a series or like a, a I think it's a movie. It's a movie. Okay. It's going straight. It's going to HBO Max. HBO Max. So that's what I'm saying. Just remake stuff that was bad the first time. We don't need to remake, you know, perfection. Like, if I ever hear about remaking John Wick, I'm going to kill myself. You just don't mess well, don't with Don't kill it. yourself. No, no, don't that's, do that. that's an extreme reaction. That's right? true. The that's only true. thing that would make it better is if Keanu Reeves came out and said, I'm going to remake it because there are some ways I've thought of that would be better. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. I could kill someone a lot better yeah. next time. But then again, there's like reimaginings too because I mean, I know a lot of people hated it. I didn't hate the remake of Ghostbusters just because it was kind of different. I never actually get to see it, but like, uh, I'm, I'm not going like, to I mean, into I, it hating here, it. Here's, here's my thing. It was unnecessary. There's nothing, it was. nothing really wrong with the movie. Right. But it, it did, again, it did not but need it, to be made. But it wasn't really a remake. It was, just it was like, weird because they had elements of the original Ghostbusters in it, but yet they sort of ignored that it existed. It was strange. And all the actors were in it, but they were playing other characters. Yeah, it was like, very, very... The whole movie was just... It felt weird, like a dream almost. Yeah. <laughs> like, Although, I will say, that's probably the best 3D movie I've ever seen. You're, you're right. That was with the, the streams coming out of the letterbox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was pretty badass. But um, What are some of the bad movies that they could remake? Trying to think. Um, Geely. No, you just leave that. Let that so, die. Somebody needs to make a really good, like Steven Spielberg needs to make a Pearl Harbor movie. Yeah, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Pearl Harbor with Tom Hanks is, or even like Ridley Scott can make it. You know, like just make a better movie where there's not some weird love triangle in it and horrible acting and. Yeah, more like something like Ishtar. <laughs> I, that that watching that movie was. I've never seen it. No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, Pearl Harbor. Oh, Pearl Harbor. No, you, you and I were like. Oh yeah. There going, the we knew what was. Go- we knew. So, here's an undertaking. Do you think they should try remaking Battlefield Earth? No. I feel like that could be a good movie. I, I actually think that might actually be a good series. Right. Like I feel like it could be done right. Make it a little edgier, darker, not as silly. I mean, I know it's rooted in Scientology and everything, but I mean, the story's kind of interesting. Eliminate the man animals. Apparently, flying a, a you know 
Okay. It's just like breaking a, a, a horse, you know? Maybe in a series it could be done a lot better. But yeah. yeah. You think that, but. Prove us wrong. Prove, prove. Go ahead. You, hear, you hear that, Travolta? Um, but speaking of, uh, of things, you actually mentioned Catwoman. Um, Batwoman, season two, is almost a remake. Uh, in that the original actress that played Batwoman in season one, Ruby Rose, exited the series. Now, you gentlemen yes. have gotten to watch so, so, the first episode. Yeah. Refresh my memory. Why did she leave? She apparently... She wasn't very good. It, oh, I thought it was her choice. To well, no, she, she, she said did, it was, yeah, but I mean, she, uh, she was terrible. I'm it kind of came out really? after that it might have been a mutual decision. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Like She said that she was still in a lot of pain, too, from... Uh, some kind of issue she had, so she was doing a lot of stunts. And it just Probably John Wick her. Part Two. He, yeah. he beat her up. Well, there's something about where she like broke a bone, like she broke her neck or something. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Well, it was like a bone in her neck where she had to have surgery because she kept on saying she looked like a Pez dispenser because of the scar. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's just it. Just, you could tell there was it. Just it. Something wasn't working. It just they yeah. apparently there was a lot of tension on the set and. I don't know. It just seems like she wasn't ready to lead a series. Because she was fine when they introduced her in the crossover thing with the arrow and yeah, the flash I, I, and everything. But, but she wasn't leading that. And it mm-hmm. seemed like, I don't know, Ruby Rose just wasn't ready to lead a show. No. No. Which, I mean, it's, fu- it's so fine. So us through this uh, season two. How they replace her and... Okay, so the season out. premiere, was, the title of it is What Happened to Cat Kane? And Kate Kane. Kate Kane. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, What Happened to Kate Kane? Yeah. Uh, it opens with um, our new main character, Ryan Wilder, played by Javicia? Uh, I'm not sure how Javicia Leslie. Yeah. Uh, she's, funny enough, living in a van down by the river. Yeah. And um, a plane explodes and kind of crashes next to like where her van is. And she rushes over and finds like some guy that's kind of half alive. She starts giving him CPR. And then she's kind of going through the wreckage and uncovers... The Batwoman suit. Yeah. And then kind of juxtaposes to um, Kate's little crew, and they, they don't know where she is because um, shit's going down, planes are falling from the sky, and they said, well, they were waiting for her to get home from National City because she went there to see Supergirl because um, she had a shard of kryptonite that she basically didn't know what to do with or something, right? And so she was going to ask Kara how to destroy it. Yeah. And turns out that was her plane that went down and our new main character finds the bat suit and decides to put it on and go um enact some justice i guess they like they kind of set up that she was a failed like karate teacher yeah it's like she's she's basically she has actually a pretty rough story the the, the background story that they tell where her she'd been in foster families and her foster mother um got along with her really well and, and helped raise her and then she got murdered yeah. Um, and she was, and she's basically was trying to find a job, and her probation officer asked her if she'd tried around at any of the, um, the lo- local martial arts places because she's a karate instructor, apparently. But the good about this was the the actress was better than Ruby yeah. Rose. Javicia, or however you fun. pronounce her name, uh, Miss Leslie. But she was, I, I actually was very impressed yeah, with her. But the bad was everything else. It was just. You know, like, Batman's got all these crazy gadgets and all that stuff, so this person just, or Batwoman in this case, she just finds the suit, puts it on, and knows how to use all the gadgets and everything. Like, and then the, just, the kind of cliffhanger from season one, which I guess we could talk about now, is um, the main, well, one of the villains was um, a guy which, he's from the comic books named Hush, yeah. and he gets plastic surgery where he basically looks like Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And he goes, it ends with him walking into um, Wayne Enterprises looking for kryptonite. Well, I kind of thought that was going to be like the main bat of the whole season. Yeah. And his whole thing was absolutely ridiculous. Like, it was bad. And he ends up, you know, they just see him and they bring bring him into the bat cave. And he kind of like doesn't know how to get in there. So they let him in. And he grabs this like... And I'm, I'm just going to give away. Cause yeah, it's, it's, cause it came it's, it's terrible. I'm not recommending the, Um He grabs this like gun that shoots these sticky bombs and just starts randomly shooting them around the Batcave and blows up an entire wall of the cave and opens up this little portal and the Batmobile's behind it. So he just like, starts driving around Gotham. And like it's, not behind some secret door, not behind some brick wall that he's put there. The cave wall is there. And he blows a hole in that and the Batmobile is in this little compartment and they're like... How would that have even gotten in there? Like, it, it just, 
It was so and, bad. And, and it's, she gets it and just throws it. And it's a, it's a weird Batmobile, too. It's pretty much just a Corvette. Yeah. And it's and he basically hunts down Ryan Wilder, and she gets out and starts fighting him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got Bruce Wayne's face, just like face-off, that sort of thing. And she gets him down on the ground and just starts punching him in the face until that face just falls off and his other face is still there. I'm just like... This is terrible. Oh, this is like it. the worst thing. Ever. No, oh, I was like, like, like I'm, I'm done. Was like, it worse than the first season? The the acting of the girl was far better. Yeah, yeah. But the show it was just it, it's, it wasn't good the first season, but it's just I told Glenn I was like I wanted to see what they did with it as she's gone, but I'm done. I'm not like like they they never show. did find Kate's body, so no. she I guess should could still be out there. She I don't could. know. But um, yeah, the good thing is this new actress was very good. Yeah. But like John said, pretty much everything else is if bad. The show, if the show doesn't last, hopefully she gets on e- doing something else. Yeah. Dugray Scott, I guess, was fine in it. Fine. He didn't really have a lot to do. He he was sad most of the time because mm-hmm. he he found out she you know his daughter was Batwoman. Yeah. Um, but it was just it's a bad show. It was just yeah. badly written. There's a lot of bad actors in it, and I actually kind of felt bad for this new actress because yeah. she was very good in it. Yeah. What about Night Stalker? So this, interestingly enough, this lighthearted. Uh, oh yeah. So it, it, I actually, uh, Netflix has this feature. I don't know if y'all are aware of this. They have, it, if you look on the middle on my phone at least, there's a little coming soon thing, and it, it sometimes lights up with notifications. And I went to it like frequently, and about a month ago, I saw this was coming out. It was a, a, a series about a serial killer, and I was like, well, I'm in. It's all I needed to know. My unintelligent self. I did not know what the the term Night Stalker was in reference to. So the cool thing about this documentary that I love is if you don't know, like you're an idiot like me, and you go watch this, you have no idea who this is about. So, like, I've heard of a lot of the names of serial killers. I think everybody has. But I didn't know the details. So the first, like, two episodes is just really cool I thought really interesting forensic stuff and learning about the detectives and their how uh, their job affects their private lives when they get involved in this type of stuff and just the intricate details of crime scene investigations and stuff and the brutality and just randomness of what yeah. the serial killer That's was why doing. It, it was so hard for them to even realize it was a serial killer because like his mo was different with everybody. It right. was like the first time that it ever happened. Right, like yeah. he's yeah. he's killing women, old people. And then he's molesting and picking up little kids, but letting the kids go. It was just creepy. And like a lot of people didn't believe it was the same person because yeah. it was so much randomness. And, and it was, it was like it, most serial killers. You know, you have a, a type that they stick to. So it's like the, the yeah, they're all about methodology, right? And, and like repetition. He has it's no. Virtual. He had no pattern. He was. Did you see? He would just kill. <laughs> At will, uh, random people and kill them in different ways. Shot but, with guns, knives, yeah, the, the strangulation. S- the story that stuck me new was that woman that like he followed her home from the the thrift shop, and he had killed her roommate. And then she raised her hands, and when he shot her, the bullet ricocheted off her keys. Yeah. So she ran out the front door as he was running out the back, and when he saw her, she's like, "Oh come on, you already shot me once," and he just let her go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, like, the really cool thing about it, again, you, you don't know who it is, and, and his name is dropped at the very end, I think, of the third, third episode. episode. And when it happened, I was just like, holy crap. I was like, wow. So, I mean, by now, and actually, if you go into the new logo for Netflix, it actually has a picture of him. You can see who it is. Yeah. So, it, it's Richard Ramirez. And, yeah. I mean, the cool thing about it is just, again, like, educating people on this guy and how ins- I didn't really, and his trial was just you can't make this stuff up this is what i'm finding out about a lot of these documentaries is that it's stuff that you kind of vaguely know something about right but when you actually get into it you have no idea like like watching the different things with like the the you know evil genius and and yeah, you know, oh, yeah. like the different things you heard elements of it, it's kind of I, I like netflix for documentaries like this yeah uh and it's only it's only four episodes. The thing that was so creepy, and this is after the, the you you know what I'm talking about. The part is after they caught him and everything, and they're in the trial, and they go through the list of all the stuff that you know he's accused of, and they're about to usher him out, and they're like, "Do you have anything to say?" And he just kind of looks at the, like looks straight at the camera and just holds up his hand. He's got a pentagram tattooed on his palm, and he just goes, "Hail Satan!" As he walks out, it's like, the fuck? yeah, <laughs> this creepy motherfucker. And yet they also detailed how many fans he had. Yeah, like he some somebody married him when he was in prison. Hundreds and hundreds of women. Like this personality that 
Like he had people that his wife didn't believe it was that he did anything. Yeah. That's one thing. I can understand you being blind to someone you love, but these are just random strangers who yeah, are. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it's really weird. like think about how Charles Manson got so many followers. Yeah, but at least like you're saying, at least he was like you know one on one with these people and convinced them in, in some method. But like we talked about, you know, Scientology and things like that. There's different, you know, granted, not that they've done things like Richard Ramirez did, but like it's kind of crazy to see <laughs> that like, we know normal like like. People who, who only have critical thinking, how easily it can get suspended. Yeah. And there's like there's this woman that was talking about how she was sitting outside the courtroom while it was going on, and she was just kind of looking around at all the people that were there sitting outside because it was a packed house, and he had killed her grandmother. And he's sitting there, and she's sitting there thinking about, oh, there's all of these you know other people that are probably victims too, and there's this young guy next to him, next to her, and she just happens to look over, and then the guy just kind of like, he's sitting there, and he's got the pentagram thing on his hand too, and she's like, and I'm sitting there at my grandmother's murderous trial and realize I'm sitting next to one of his fans. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't recommend this enough. One it, the, it's I amazing. thought the cool thing was the, the two detectives, because yeah. when, yes. when it got into like the young guy that was like just out of college, and yeah. he got paired with like the, kind of the... The old pro that yeah. been around for and, so um, long. I was talking with my girlfriend. We also found it interesting the fact that like he was a detective for what was it nine years before he got put with this guy, and he was considered still considered a newbie. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus! I mean, it's like you really got to put in your time to yeah. to be looked at that way. But yeah, like the the Hispanic cop and his whole story and how his family went into hiding during everything yeah. because of all the threat. I mean, it's, it's There's some, actually some stuff that they didn't really touch on much in there that I actually read about Richard Ramirez that's crazy about like his early life. And like he was kind of raised by one of his cousins who had fought in Vietnam and like had all kind of was like always like talking about how all the women that he'd raped and murdered in Vietnam and would sh- he would like show him pictures of himself like holding heads and stuff like that oh and then like at, at one point the guy's like girlfriend did something and right in front of Richard when Richard's a kid just shot her in the face and killed her and then he like got sent off on um uh insanity charge and it's like that like that's what he grew up with like his whole life so I mean it, you know yeah, it's great. It's crazy. It's though. a yeah, great, really great, project. great series. And I mean, they're like it's what, like four, like forty-five minute each, roughly. Maybe, maybe, maybe I want to say the last one might be an hour. Yeah, but the other ones are under an hour for sure. Excellent though, excellent show. Well, um, something that I that kind of took a turn here. You talk about you know wanting to watch things versus not and whatnot. I was very excited about Wandavision being released because I love Elizabeth Olsen. I think she's the best Olsen. And I love Paul Bettany, so I thought this was going to be a no-brainer. It looked weird and quirky. Um, and then Ryan watched the first couple episodes and was like, oh, I, I don't know if I can, can do well, You watched the first episode. No, I watched the first two when they dropped. Yeah, that's how Disney released. They released the first two on January 15th, and then the third one on the 22nd. Now it's a weekly show. Now, Glenn had mentioned last week to us is that basically the the three episodes were what reviewers received correct and we had to see all like like what was hard for a lot of people to understand myself included when i watched the game in the first episode was why did it get such rave reviews because i was a little bit like it was silly and weird but at the same time i didn't get the slow burn was too slow yeah um now we were, we're three episodes in which is the glenn three episode rule um, and I'm kind of interested to hear Ryan's take first as to what oh, it is. Oh, again, go, go by Glenn because if you were going by the two episode rule, I wouldn't be watching WandaVision anymore. But I waited till the third one, and the third one was everything I thought the show could be. Yeah. Um, it's it it was weird and quirky enough, but it also had cool elements that's that actually didn't really explain everything, but led you to think different directions of where what could be going on. And the first two episodes didn't give you any of that. It just was like watching rehashes of old 50s shows, which is... Well, the first two had small elements. Small very, elements, very small. Is, is the issue. Like, the first couple that I watched, I was like, okay, and I can kind of... I didn't quite know if I liked it or it not. It didn't grab me. Yeah. Right, and that's kind of... It was my concern. Like, not, not against the actors, the performances. Yeah. It was funny and, and all that. It reminded me a lot of the shows that they were trying to, to emulate, but this episode was, was a bit different. I still don't know. Like I'm not completely sold on it, but like it gave me enough to go with. Oh yeah, like, I mean, I, like, I want to see what happens I, next. That's the, the the reason I think I'm staying with this is because I want to see what happens next. Well, so and, and the cool thing about it though is the episodes are only like 25 minutes, so right, it's yeah. like if it would been an hour long show, I don't yeah. know that I could I could put through it. Yeah, after the third episode, I'm not ready to say this is a great show, but I'm ready to say, like I want to see what happens next. 
See, the first episode was titled "Filmed Before a Live Studio Audience," which the se- they actually did do. Yeah. I didn't realize. I thought it was like, yeah, yeah, I thought that was like fake soundtracks yeah. that they were putting in there. The second one was "Don't Touch That Dial," and the third one was "Now in Color." Yep. So um, those are the titles of the episodes. Basically, the first one emulates like Dick Van Dyke, Donna Reed. The second one is Bewitched and I Dream a Genie, and the third one is pretty much like Brady Bunch, Partridge Family. Yeah. And I will say this, you know, we. we we talked about how you know the first two episodes are a little shaky, but the acting is amazing. Yeah. Actually, like Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are great. Yeah, yeah they have good chemistry together. Very, very. And good. I thought the um, if you're just going as like an homage to classic sitcoms, they nailed it. Yeah, yeah, they did. I just wasn't interested with the first two episodes. I was like, I got it. I get what they were doing, but it didn't. I mean, the first two episodes I thought had kind of Pleasantville vibes. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It was like you could tell something was kind of off, but it was. Um, but yeah, the way the the third episode was, especially the the finale of the third episode. Well, I, I believe it was John who said, you know, it, it's Kevin Feige, so I'm going to trust yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. So that was why I kept watching, and so far, I mean, I, now they've got me a little bit, and I'm willing to keep going. Well, that's kind of what the the creator of the show said the same thing, like where like Feige was like, oh yeah, you, you want to like string them along a bit. Uh, I forgot what the exact term he used, but yeah, it's it's kind of that like. I get what they're doing and what they're trying to do, but like this episode kind of broke it open at the end. I just didn't think it was a uh, was enough. Like at the, at the outset of it, like you're saying, it was like these little tidbits. Yeah. The, the third episode has more. Glenn was right; they should have released all three. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I thought it was weird. I told my wife I thought it was kind of weird that like, especially in the the first episode when it's more like the Dick Van Dyke thing. It's like, why did nobody find it weird that this like uh, this kind of vanilla middle class white guy that his name is Vision? <laughs> Like, <laughs> but that's a, that's the thing. There's enough in it that like those things seem kind of weird. Yeah, and there's a lot lots of allusions to um, sword, I guess, yeah. which is a um, a sister thing to to shield. So, um, which is actually mutant based too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. And apparently, it's um, I never did read it, but I heard that it's heavily influenced from a, a miniseries called House of M. It's like Wanda, basically. Like you can see, like she's taking control of something. And I don't know what's going on with it, but like it, yeah. I'm curious to see it. How like how many episodes it's supposed nine. to be? Nine. nine. So like the, basically, if this is a a, a so movie, we've we just we've seen the first. We act. did the first quarter. Okay. Yeah. Third. Yeah. Third. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, the next episode comes out on Friday on Disney Plus, and it looks like um, this one's going to be '80s themed. They haven't released the title yet, but okay. so we've gone through the '50s, '60s, '70s, and now we're going into the '80s. And I did see in the 90s, they said that that episode was a lot, lots of fun to do because they were very aware of um, Elizabeth Olsen's uh, family. Oh, Full um, House. All right, we'll see. Yep. <laughs> so, have mercy. Um, there was a trailer, uh, kind of comic book related, Superman and Lois, uh, which is, again, spinning out of, of the Batwoman universe, the, the same Arrowverse. I don't know. Those CW yeah. shows, I just can't get into. This one looks good. I mean, I, the trailer I, is, I should I, say. I, I mean, I'm telling like the character Tyler Hoechlin is really good as Superman. As a Superman fan, the trailer people have said echoes of Man of Steel. I don't really get that. Glenn that said that. I, I can kind of see. It. It's more the the music and the tone of the trailer. Some of the shots kind of reminded me. But I could also see like if they were going to do a sequel to Superman Returns, this would be kind of what it was about, I would think. I, could, I can get it. The, the thing for me is, like, a, a lot of people, and in, in myself included, when in the comics he had a son, were a little bit worried about how, you know, it ages. And a lot of the companies like, oh, you can't relate to a character when he's a dad. But I think Superman kind of works really well. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That, that's why, like, when Peter Parker and, and Mary Jane had a daughter, they wrote her off really quickly. I mean, I guess... The only thing I can think of is certain shows when it's about the the two main characters getting together. Once they do and they have a baby, the dynamic of the show changes. I happen like with Mad yeah. About You. But I mean, you're talking about Superman as an 80 year old character, right? And that's the thing. Like when Superman excelled at being a dad in the comics, and that's why I'm curious to see with him having two teenage sons that don't know he's Superman, right? The, with, with how that's gonna gonna play out. And I think again, Tyler Hoechlin, but also uh, uh, Elizabeth uh, Tulloch as Lois Lane. Oh, she's a very good Lois. And then we didn't see her in the trailer, but um, Emmanuel Shrieky is going to mm-hmm. be. Um, oh, no, she was in the trailer. Oh, was she was. shot of her okay. in Smallville. She's like Lana Lang. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I that never really noticed that about the. But they do that a lot in a lot of shows. If you notice, like in Friends when they had kids, the kids are not there very often. And Karen always points out in Big Bang Theory, we watch Howard and Bernadette had two kids, whatever. Kids are never in it, like ever. Yeah. Well, they're, they're always asleep upstairs or. 
You know, it's because like people were. I think wrongly so. If you if you have good writers, you don't necessarily like advancing the story. You know, it's funny. I I was thinking of the Cosby Show when Elvin and uh, what's her face had kids. Sandra. Sandra. Sandra had kids. They actually did go away. But they would come back and Cliff would babysit one episode and stuff like that. So it's like that actually was was, was kind of relatable. On uh-huh. The Simpsons about uh, about how whenever they the, the Cosby Show would lose interest, they'd have some random grandfather. Right. Yeah. Show up. This is your other granddad. Another one, Dad. Yeah. Was it Family Matters where one of the children just went upstairs and disappeared? Yeah, the, the youngest one never yeah. came down again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. It, it'll, it'll be like I'm. I'm curious about the show. Premieres February twenty third. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. On CW, yeah. Um, but now, we we said there wouldn't be a lot of cage, and I said there wasn't any cage in it. But uh, there kind of is because um, I couldn't find Grand Isle to watch as Ryan suggested. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe no, I, I didn't. Greg's homework. I didn't suggest it. I demanded it. You demanded it. I'm still trying to find it because I want that to be the most. It looks god fucking awful. I bet so. you if you drive down the Grand Isle, you, they, they probably have copies of it everywhere. They probably have <laughs> the there. I mean, they, they very much give it to you at the Grand Isle, like Welcome Center. Yeah. Um, but you guys each got to watch a, a, a movie, and I don't think we need detailed plot summaries here. Oh, you wouldn't want to hear plot summaries. I just kind of think we need to hear uh, the, the cage essence of each of these films. Okay. So, Ryan, you went first because you watched first. I was actually excited to see this movie. I heard good things, and my movie, my cage assignment was Mandy. So, Mandy is a really simple story. Uh, cage plays this guy. He's, you know, one of these woodsmen, works in the forest. They, you know, with a group of guys, they cut down trees and whatever. And, um. Like Dexter. Oh, yeah. Well, he lives a, a minimalist lifestyle. Like, him and his wife, who's played by that gorgeous girl from, um,. Oblivion. I can't remember her name. Oh, the, the, red, uh, the redhead. Yeah, uh, crap. And she was in um, Andrea Rise, Riseboro. Yeah. Yeah, and she was in um, Birdman. Yeah. Yeah. So she's in it, and she looks. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, but they made her look really creepy. Like her eyes are black, and and basically they live in the woods, sort of off on not really off the grid, but they definitely live away from most people, and. Basically, one day, she's out taking a walk, and a satanic cult in a van just happens to be driving by, and the satanic cult's leader takes notice of her. And That's he, unfortunate. <laughs> and then, as we cut to a scene of the, the cult in their little habitat, he can't get her out of his head, so he gets in his mind, we gotta go find this girl. And from that point on, it go, it's... All right, so here's the thing about this movie. I watched it late at night. I had a couple drinks. I wasn't drunk, but I had a few drinks. And I could not find it anywhere on any streaming service. I had to look it up on my fire stick. And the way this movie is filmed, I thought maybe something was wrong with my fire stick. Like, the different camera shots of, like, the, the landscape and stuff, it changes colors to, like, blue and red and purple and all kinds of weirdness. So I thought my, my fire stick was messed up. I must have had a bad feed. So I actually was looking up reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and it specifically, some people were saying they were having a hard time watching it because of all the color variances and stuff. And it's a completely insane acid trip of a movie. So basically, the satanic cult takes comes in and gets involved, and Cage, who's sort of subdued through the whole movie, until things go bad, and he goes full cage. And when I say full cage, I mean full cage. Like, he completely loses it. This movie is off the walls bonkers, insane, and I loved it. <laughs> like, I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's demented. Yeah. And you got to be effed in the head to really... Like a dirty Leonard Moulton. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's... So this would be a win on that list, right? It's a win for me. Um, I'd probably give it like a 7.5. Like, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a good gory very simple script horror film and just demented and weird and everything you'd want from a cage somebody said look we're gonna make a horror film with nick cage this is what you'd want sounds like nick cage in a rob zombie movie kind of in a way yeah primal so i watched this one so um this one you could you could watch it on on hulu um for free okay so it's on hulu um so this Nicolas Cage stars as Frank Walsh, who is a um, 
wildlife. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe him. He he captures animals and sells them to uh, various organizations. Zoo. Sometimes zoos, I'm just a basically. Game yeah, who, whoever's gonna um, like a really crazy Steve Irwin. <laughs> he's kind of dressed like Muldoon from Jurassic Park. Well, it opens with he's in the Amazon collecting all these animals, and he's up in like a, um, you know, he's got the little uh, platform up in a tree, and all of a sudden this giant 400 pound white jaguar comes out. And he's amazed because this is the first time anyone's ever seen one of these. So he tranquilizes this jaguar and captures it. So now he's loading all his animals onto the ship. And up shows um, two uh, government officials, played by Famke Jansen and Michael Imperioli. And they've captured this um, political... cast. Yeah. They capture this political assassin um, named Richard, played by Kevin Durand. And... Um, Kevin Durant. If you... Not, uh, Durant, not the basketball. Not the basketball. He's, yeah, he's like in. Um, I'll, I'll pull him up. Here yeah, he's in Robin Hood. He was the villain in, in Lost in season four. He was Martin oh. Kimi. Okay. So um, they, they they've captured him, and he's got some sort of brain aneurysm or something where if he changes altitude, he's going to die. So they need to get him back to the United States to find out. Like they they want to know, you know, every, basically debrief him, find out all these people that he's killed. So they lock him up with all the animals in a cage. And uh, during the um, journey, he escapes and he lets all the animals out. So, um, so now, like Famke Jansen and um, Michael Imperioli, they're very much like we can't we can't kill this guy because we need to find out what he knows. So Nicholas Cage needs to help all these crew members survive all these animals and this assassin. And they're like they're snakes, they're birds, they're this this giant jaguar going around so here's the thing about primal the cast is very good like we said and i think if um the budget had been a little higher this might actually have been a very good movie but like the cgi on the jaguar is awful and in fact sometimes it goes to like jaguar vision where it's like things turn very purple and like you're seeing from the point of view of the jaguar i guess it's a jaguars see purple i guess are they prints maybe but um so they, they, there's and I just think it it doesn't go crazy enough to be where it's like a guilty pleasure or a, um, like a grindhouse thing, and the budget isn't there for it to be like a unique movie with all these animals where it basically turns into like an under siege type movie of them fighting this assassin that's hiding everywhere, and probably the only kind of like full cage moment there's a scene that I was actually telling Ryan about where. Um, this assassin has Cage captured. I kind of want to see and, this. Um, <laughs> and he, he's trying to steer this ship somewhere. And so Nicolas Cage, of course, gets all the um, the navigation logs of the ship and hides them. So um, he, he, he wants these, these, these logs. So he's got Cage all tied up in this in the animal cage. And he's asking him, uh, you know, where, where are these logs? And Nicolas Cage, of course... You know, I've hidden them, and if you if you kill me, you'll never get them. And he's like, "Who said anything about killing you?" And behind him, there are all these cages full of like macaws and parrots and these <laughs> giant birds. And he goes and he just starts shooting the birds. And he shoots the first one, and Nicholas Cage starts, "God damn it, no, leave the birds alone!" And then he shoots the third, the second one, and he's like, "No, no!" And as he shoots the third, I'll tell one, you whatever you want. Yeah, did you see it? Because <laughs> that's after the third, one, he's like, "I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Just leave the birds alone." Yeah. I that one knew my name. I can't wait. I want to see that. Caged cage. Yeah. I just want to see that And, and I mean, there's a whole thing where he mentioned that he worked at, like, all these zoos, and he doesn't like the politics along with zoos, so that's why he went off in his own, and Famke Jansen's dad works <laughs> He's at... He's like uh, Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> Famke Jansen's dad works at the San Diego Zoo, and is telling him, like, he doesn't have any honor because he's selling these animals, and... Then, like, this kid's dad gets bitten by a snake, and they're trying to keep him alive. Kind of sounds like the Tiger King in a way. But that bitch Carol it's, Baskin won't the, Like I said, this this movie had a lot of good elements to it, but I don't think I can quite recommend it just because I just don't think it got crazy enough. So Tell us your rating, sir. I'm going to give it a 4.8. All right. It's not terrible. If it's In fact, it has some fun moments. <laughs> it sounds, like, terribly fun. Yeah, and it's just... Like I said, it, it's not terrible, but um, you know there are better, crazier cage movies out there. John, what about yours? So I was gonna watch Joe, season of the Witch. but yeah, I couldn't find Joe on any streaming service that I had, so I I just messaged the guys and Glenn sent out the the suggestion that I watch season of the Witch. So I found that 
Um, I watched it through my Amazon Prime, but it said, uh, apparently, I guess I have Cinemax, I guess, along with some of the other movie channels I have, and it said it was going to be included with my Cinemax subscription. So I watched Season of the Witch. That was 2011, which was actually the year Drive Angry came out. So he was huh. still kind of putting movies in theaters, and that may have come out in theaters. I think it did. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Really? Yeah. And um, again, the cast was pretty good. It's um, it's him and um, Ron Perlman are these uh, two guys that fought in the Crusades together. And they go rogue out of the Crusades because the guy that's leading them makes them go into this, uh, this little fortress. And they said just, you know, they're all... You know the infidels, and in there you got to go kill kill everybody in there. So they go in and just start killing everybody, and then realize it's a bunch of women and children in there, and they don't like that, so they leave. They get they go into this new, uh, they you know they're so they're just kind of off walking to earth basically, and uh, they go into this little village, and the black plague is kind of going around everywhere, and they get picked up because somebody recognizes his uh, sword because it's got the little crusade logo on it, and they know he's a deserter. So they bring him before the cardinal that is, like, kind of in charge of this thing who's dying, who Christopher Lee plays. Nice. Yeah. And um, he's dying of the of the plague. And they've got a girl that they say they think is a witch. And they want to have a little uh, party, bring her to this nearby, uh, like, little kingdom where they have a bunch of monks there that can do some sort of exorcism type thing on her because they think she's what's causing the plague. So they go off on this little, on this little journey and... Um, the cast, I mean, the, the girl is Claire Foy, like the, the witch. Um, yeah. uh, there's a young a young kid in it who, I say young kid, he looks he's probably about 20 in it, and he says he has been an altar boy, but he wants to be a knight, and he kind of joins up with him. And it's the kid uh, that plays Klaus in Umbrella Academy. He's and good. He was really good in it. Stephen Graham is in it. Um, the guy that played, you know, he's the guy that played uh, Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire, and oh, he's, among, he's awesome. among other things. Um and it's just like this group going on this per- this perilous journey with this person who may or may not be a witch. And it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't Cage. didn't go all Cage in it or anything. It was... I feel like if it had had a bigger budget, kind of like what Glenn said, it could have been a much better movie. And it was only PG-13. If they made it R, it could have been really scary and, and pretty good. So I was almost... I was disappointed that I wasn't disappointed enough, if that makes any sense. Intriguing. Yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but, that, I mean... That took a turn I did not expect. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd probably give it, like, a five and a half. Okay. But, I mean, nothing nothing you need to go buy or go run out to see, but it's it's a harmless little film. Uh, so, basically, on our ratings, I highly recommended Mandy. Now, again, be prepared if you, you guys are listening and you're like, oh, I'm going to go check out Mandy. It is insane, and it may not be for everybody, but I enjoyed it. It's crazy, though. Don't say I didn't warn you yeah. when it's crazy. Um, I'm going to take a, a, an older movie with a new twist first, and I'm going to ask you guys about Godfather Coda. Yeah, so I got this uh, for Christmas. Shout out to Luann. Thank you, Luann. And uh, this is a, basically Francis Ford Coppola put this out, and it's just a re-edited uh, version of The Godfather Part 3, and this is kind of the way he always wanted it to be. And Because um, he didn't even want the title to be Godfather. He didn't want the title to be Godfather Part 3. He wanted it to be called Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. Or maybe even just The Death of I Michael I think Corleone. it was just supposed to be called The Death of Michael Th- this Corleone. This thing is called The Godfather Coda. Yeah. But uh, it is it is basically the same movie, but it's the pacing was much better. And um, there was a few little things that I think may have been left out and a few things that were added. But uh, Glenn and I watched it the other night, and I, was, I, I really liked I was, it. I was impressed. It's, I, it's actually... It's, Ten minutes shorter. I don't. I don't remember part three very well see, because I thought it was slow, and it's not one I rewatched you, a lot. You see that that was my issue because when we sat down, I said I told John, I'm like, look, just letting you know, I haven't seen Godfather three in maybe fifteen years. Yeah, I think I only saw it once. Me too. And I mean, and we're you know we're we're older guys now. We had we had thoughts a while back, a couple last weekend, the week before. We were going to not get to start until about 10.30, and we had flashbacks of when we watched The Irishman around that time, and we were like, I don't think we can make it. And this one, we started about 9.30, 10 o'clock, but I mean, it was fun. I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel like I was getting... I feel like when I first watched it, the only thing I took away was I thought Andy Garcia was great. He, he's he he's, really he's incredible. Um, the, Al Pacino is really good. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't overact like Al Pacino does in some things. No one, he didn't really overact no, in any of the Godfather. No, no, he didn't. Although no one screams better than him. Yeah. yeah. but um, And one of the things that... Because I kind of... I had to look up what was different because, like I said, I didn't really okay. remember it. A lot of Sofia Coppola's scenes aren't there anymore. Um, yeah, I couldn't really picture which ones weren't there, but there was less Sofia Coppola. In there. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's a lot of stuff where he would, you know, the, some of the scenes he re like shifted them where he put them in different orders, and some of the stuff he cut at like ten minutes off here, a minute off here. 
Uh, he, they added in a couple of things, mostly about um, about Fredo. Um, but um, the pacing was—it was great. I mean, yeah. we had fun watching that. And you're right, Gar- Andy Garcia is just—he's he's really good in. And I looked up, and it was nominated for like seven Oscars, and he was the only acting Oscar that it was nominated for. Yeah, and actually, when I was when I, after we finished watching, it, I looked it up, and apparently in 2010. Mario Puzo and um, Francis Ford Coppola were talking about doing a fourth one in the style of Godfather 2 about Andy Garcia's character moving the Corleone family into the future, flashing back to young um, uh, Sonny, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, wow. But Mario Puzo died, and they never, they never, they did, never it. did it. Hmm. But um, cool. if you get a chance to see this, it's great. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Ratings? Um, I'd probably give it like an 8. 8.2. Would you have given the original Godfather 3? 7. Okay. I like the original Godfather, and all, it gets a lot of, you know, it gets a bad rap, but it's just, compared to the Godfather 1 and 2, it's I not just, as good. I mean, it's still it's still a good movie. I think of uh, Bokeem Woodbine's character in The Sopranos when he's like, I think it's just misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but John even brought it up when we watched it. That's the one everyone quotes now. The, yeah, though, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, is a quote from The Godfather 3. Right. Yeah. And of course, what should be quoted is uh, I point out to Glenn before it even happened. There's this character in it who's not really much of a character, and I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Joe Mantegna plays the character Joe yeah. Zaza in it? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a scene where um, he's. The, it's kind of like one of those little. Um, it looks like Gretna Fest. It looks like Gretna. It's like, and they had him in The Sopranos, where it's like the little uh, Italian American festival yeah. thing going on, and he's out there, and there's this guy who's basically trying to cause a diversion, and he just starts yelling at Joey Zaza, and he's got this. Uh, high-pitched voice and you just hear him in the background you don't even see the guy first you just keep hearing Joey Zaza up your ass <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like that guy should be the main character yeah. of this movie but, but um, um, the opening's different that's the one thing that we kind of the opening's a little bit so. different because when it when it opens the old one opened it showed the Lake Tahoe house that was all just completely like run down and all that stuff that's, none of that's in it anymore it opens at the Vatican right? it opens at the Vatican and they're asking for his help with, with money issues interesting okay Love and Monsters. This is something I've never even heard of, to be honest with you. And Karen said she saw a, a preview of it, and we were looking just to watch a movie the other night. And uh, she said, oh, do you want to rent this? And we watched a little trailer. It's similar to a Zombieland type thing, mm-hmm. but it um, it stars Dylan O'Brien, who was um, the kid that was in uh, Maze, was Runner. It Maze Runner and uh, was it American Assassin? Uh-huh. Deepwater Horizon. Deepwater Horizon. And then uh, the girl, um, Greg, you'll know her name. She's the one that was the love interest in uh, Iron Fist, and then she was one of the Sand Snakes. Oh, uh, uh, oh, shit, 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 shit. Jesus. Yeah. No, no, no. I know, like, I, uh, How many shits is that? <laughs> a lot. She played Colleen Wing. <laughs> yeah. Colleen Wing. Uh, crap. Anyway. Well, Jennifer something. Right? Yeah. Greg's big shit um, on my right here. But anyway, <laughs> and the, the movie starts, and they're, they're in high school. They're like 17, the two of them, and they're dating. And... Um, there's apparently some huge asteroid that's coming towards Earth, and they said, and you know, the world, as they do, like to send up all the rockets, they destroyed everything, but what are the rockets made out of? Chemicals, and the chemicals came down, apparently, and turned every cold-blooded creature into some sort of mutated monster. Jessica Henwick. Jessica Henwick, that's it. Not Jennifer. Not Jennifer. No. <laughs> it was a so how much of a fan I am. Yeah. Um, Fucking great. And so it skips, it skips ahead seven years, and he's living in this little bunker with a bunch of other people that he found, and he's been keeping in contact with her. She's in another place like 85 miles away in like a little bunker, and they've got a ham radio. And basically, he they just talk about how he he does a lot of like the chores around there, and he clean like he, he cooks the, the dinner and stuff like that because he freezes every time any of the monsters come near him, and they all think he's going to die no matter what, and he's a liability. And at some point, he decides, you know what? I miss my girlfriend. Everybody here's in a couple. I'm going to go find her. And he decides to just go out by himself. And uh, he just kind of goes out with all, where all these monsters are. And uh, it was it was pretty funny. Um, I enjoyed it. He meets up. There's this this guy and his and a, a young girl that are together that are walking around there. And it's Michael Rooker and, and a little girl. And he teaches him a bunch of things about how to survive on the surface, different weaknesses the monsters have, and certain ones that you don't actually have to worry about because they don't hurt anybody. Where you? Where is this at? Um, we just rented like on demand through Amazon. Okay. So it's a new release. Yeah, basically. it was okay. a 2020 movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I'd, I'd give it a, probably a, I don't know, six and a half, seven. And I, it'd probably be higher than that if it wasn't kind of the same story as Zombieland. Okay, gotcha. Okay. But it was it was good. It was funny. It was different jokes than Zombieland. Well, another film that I was hoping I'd get to see before today, but I did not get the chance to see, is uh, One Night in Miami, which you had seen before any of us did. I did, and now Glenn has watched it. Yeah, I watched it second. So, John, tell me a bit about 
One Night in Miami. One Night in Miami is a movie that is the directorial debut of Regina King. And um, it takes place in, believe it or not, One Night in Miami. And it's after a Muhammad Ali fight. He's actually Cassius Clay at this point. It's 1964. Uh, 1964. And it's after the fight. They're celebrating. And it's basically this little hotel room. They're supposed to be going to a party later on, but it's... It's Cassius Clay and Sam Cooke, Joe Frazier, and, Mah- and uh, Malcolm X are all... Jim Brown. Jim, Jim Brown. Who did I say? Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier, yeah. No, sorry. It's Jim Brown. Jim Brown. The football player, Joe, Jim Brown. And um, they're, uh, they're all basically just talking about kind of civil rights. And there's Jim Brown and Sam Cooke are, get kind of... Like, Malcolm X kind of makes them feel bad because they've, like, they've succeeded, but they haven't really used their, you know, their, their success for the cause as much as they he feels that they should and they're trying to explain that they they kind of do what they can and uh and it's it's also got Cassius Clay's he's about to announce to everybody that he's joining the Nation of Islam and it's kind of what's what he's going through with that and and uh Malcolm X is also in the middle of he's about to break away from the Nation of Islam because of some of the things that he doesn't like that, that are going on which uh rumor has it that that's that split is what basically got him killed later on in life um but I mean, it's this is another one, kind of like Marini's Black Bottom, where it's basically like watching a play. It's based off of a play. It's based off of a play. Okay. And I mean, and, and I'm wondering, like, watching all these movies, if all these kind of one act plays are getting adapted because they're easier to film in a pandemic. Maybe. Because it's just one bubble, basically but one it was, set. It was excellent. That's all I can say. I mean, it was like I couldn't even pick which of them I thought did a better job. They it, were all really good. It, it was it was very good. Leslie um, Leslie Odom Jr. Um, it's who I probably would pick as the best person, um, best one, even though it's hard. And he plays Sam Cooke. And, I mean, you know, Leslie, he's the one that played... Uh, who, Aaron Burr. He played Aaron Burr, sir. And, and uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Sam Cooke. And I've been a big fan of Sam Cooke for, for years. Um, and it was, it was kind of cool seeing his story, because I didn't really know a whole lot about Sam Cooke. I know, like, a lot of his music, but I didn't know a lot about him. And then uh, Jim Brown, I mean, I know... I knew he was a famous football player, and I knew he was in Mars Attacks. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> he, he underhand boxes that alien. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't know like a whole lot about him either. And I mean, it was it was very interesting, uh, just the, these characters and the way they they just converse with one another. And it was it it was very different too, because yeah. I like how they all had kind of different philosophies about the civil rights movement. And the, yeah, and like Sam Cooke tells that story about selling that song to the Rolling Stones. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool about how. All these white boys don't even realize they're working for me, kind of yeah. thing. Um, and you get to kind of see like a different side of Malcolm X because they're all very young yeah. when this happens. Yeah. And like you get to see how like him with his family mm-hmm. and how like you know they they were talking about how he's almost taken this public persona and just becoming this this character that he wasn't before. Yeah. And and also I thought it was just interesting that it's called One Night in Miami and. Like, they couldn't stay in any hotels in Miami because of the whole Green Book thing. is why yeah. they're in this, like, crappy motel. Yeah. Um, but it's... Yeah, you're right. These four performances are great. The guy that played Malcolm X, the only thing I really remembered him in, he was in the TV series version of uh, High Fidelity. Okay. He was also... He was in the um, the Anna Kendrick thing the, on Apple TV. Was oh, it the, yeah. Was it the Love Life? Love Life. He was in an episode of that. But, yeah, they were all... But, I mean, really and then good. supporting performances, like... Bo Bridges had kind of a very small but important scene that kind of showed you the state of everything yeah. because it kind of opens with Jim Brown going to see this guy and yeah. it seems like they were family friends. Yeah. And they were just sitting there having this cordial conversation and when the daughter came comes and asks, "Hey grandpa, can you help me move this piece of furniture?" and he's and Jim Brown sets up and's like, "Oh, you're moving furniture? You know, let me go in there and help you." And he's like, "Oh, that's really nice of you, but you know we don't allow N-words in the house." And it's just sort of like, yeah. And like in like two minutes before, it seemed like this guy was like, like another father to him almost. Like yeah. It was, and it was just. So I mean, but then like, like uh, Lance Rhetoric, he's like one of Malcolm X's bodyguards, and he's yeah. got like the coolest voice ever. He does. You know, he's the continental guy from um, John Wick. The, yeah. Oh, nice. He was a good dog. Yeah. Um, and then, funny enough, I watched this and <laughs> Michael Imperioli. And Michael Imperioli's in this too. So I unknowingly had a Christopher Maltesante double feature. Yeah. But um. Okay. I'd go high with this one. I'd I'd give it a nine. I think I was I was gonna I was going nine ish. Yeah. 
Okay. And I really liked how Regina King, I don't know if you noticed this when you were watching it too, Regina King did a really cool job of when she shot all these scenes, sometimes it would only be like this, these two talking or whatever, but the way they had all the mirrors and everything in the in the hotel you room, s- you could still see everybody. You could see all four of them. Okay. You could see the reactions and everything. It was. I'll have really, to check this one out. It's yeah, good. I will too. One thing we also have to check out, according, maybe that's Orion, is Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a trailer. The trailer dropped, and I was not impressed. I thought that based on the trailer, the story of this movie, which I guess, I mean, we should be prepared for it to be preposterous, but the fact that one little kid is the only one who can communicate to Kong and get through That's to him—that's how it happens in real life. And the fact that Godzilla, who's Godzilla, has been a hero in two straight films, and then all of a sudden he's an asshole. Well, just, he's all he's all pissed off. He's all pissed off. It's like the Who's and Grinch. And he's now he's killing people, and they don't know why. And they bring in Kong to try and save the day. I don't I don't get it. Well, I think if you're going into a movie called Kong versus Godzilla, I'm not looking for. I'm looking a plot. to see monsters break shit. And, that, and this last, trailer, I feel about Pacific Rim. But the last movie had that, and it still sucked. But the, I don't know. The way this trailer was put together, and the movie may suck. Who knows? Yeah. But the way this trailer was put together, where it was almost like a like a boxing match or yeah, something. And visually, it looks cool. It was um, the, the one thing that I'm disappointed at is like, it's probably not going to be in theaters. And this is one I want a big bucket of popcorn right sitting in the thea- yeah. theater watching it. Want that one. big bucket of popcorn you got to dive in and eat your way out of. Yeah, and watching <laughs> the giant freaking Kong fight Godzilla shooting... A radioactive dust in the air and then if you notice in one scene it seems like there's a mecha godzilla at yeah. one point and it's just and it's gonna be bobby a, brown's back and uh the dude from uh what's his name kyle chandler yeah who was in the original king kong peter jackson he was in the show <laughs> homeland and he was the morning edition or whatever the hell it was. Do, you, do you think we get jeff bridges with a beard cheering on king kong Talking i, I to doubt Richard it Cogburn because that's all he does now i doubt it but, but um, it's gonna be interesting no doubt um yeah, good talks were had by us. Um, but now, it is time to nominate this week's awesome villager. Gentlemen, who are your nominees and why? Uh, I'm going to go with Paul Bettany. Uh, he was, he's always been a great actor. I thought he was, in a lot of ways, one of the better parts of A Beautiful Mind. His little, su- very subtle role. You have to kind of watch a second time to really get all the subtleties of his performance. But um, he was really great in Master and Commander. He seems to really like Russell Crowe. Um, as, as one would. Yeah. And uh, I just thought he was great in WandaVision. I mean, the first two episodes were meh, but you can't deny this dude's got amazing chemistry with Elizabeth Olsen, and he's a great actor. And one one role that I don't think people really remember that thought he was great in was in The Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. He kind of stole that whole movie. Creepy as all hell. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, good good one. Yeah. I'm going to pick Leslie Odom Jr. Um, His role as Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami was just... I don't know. It just he just killed it in that, and um, I I love a lot of the, the musical stuff and his reaction. There was a scene also. I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to give too much away in the movie. But Malcolm X is kind of telling him how he's not really doing much for the cause because he's just got all of these light, bubbly songs. And uh, a change is gonna come is one of his like famous right. songs that he wrote, and it's that was a big, powerful song. And uh, he Malcolm X took out a record and started playing the Bob Dylan's uh, which which song was it? Oh, oh um. Uh, blowing in the wind. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the one from Forrest Gump. Yeah, and he, and he plays a little bit of it. And he says, "He's like, that's a white boy from Minnesota. He's got no dogs in this fight. Why is he writing a song like this about our cause that you're not writing?" And you could tell, like, it like like wounded him almost that he said that. And then uh, that kind of inspires him to write the change is going to come. And Leslie Odom when he performs at the end, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I love the scene, the flashback. And again, we don't want to give, but the flashback of the scene where like he's performing and the microphone goes out. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Obviously, we're being kind of vague because I want people to see this. Yeah, movie. watch right. this movie. But um, good one. I'm gonna go with Elizabeth Olsen. Um, when they first cast her, and um, I guess her first one was really Age of Ultron. I was like, yeah. okay, the the third Olsen twin. <laughs> so, yeah. And she's just like. Turning out hit after hit, yeah. like um, she's she, great in Wind River. She was great in. I liked her in the Godzilla movie. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot she was in it. Yeah, I mean, she's just she was old she was boy. engaged to her brother. That's right. In that movie, old yeah, boy. old yeah. boy. Uh, but just if you, the, even if you you don't really get into the first two, I don't know. She's got this thing where she just totally sells this preposterous sitcom. Because I mean, if you look at these old sitcoms, there's a certain style of acting that was in it and she just sells it perfectly yeah. and you get like kind of the especially in the third episode that 
there's something kind of dark going on that you don't really know what and she's got some 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 kind of dark turns in it and i just think she's a great actress she's she's very she's gorgeous and i just i can't wait to see what you know her career is gonna turn into so that's i'm going with her here here um and the nominee that i'm gonna have tonight it's i want to stress really really importantly it's got nothing to do with politics this is everything to do with i already know who he's with, picking with something uh basically uh we had an inauguration this past week and regardless of how you feel about things there was something that came out of it that seems to have unified americans and that is bernie sanders um bernie sanders showed up goddammit, with his mittens he sat down at a chair crossed his legs put the mittens up and folded his arms and that has become a meme. I, I made one a weekend at Bernie's meme, but they're all about and like it seems people on both sides of the political spectrum have been united over laughing and having fun. And I would say what, not just because he's the subject of the meme, but what he did with this meme is he placed it on a sweatshirt and sold it on his campaign website, and a hundred percent of the proceeds went to Meals on Wheels in Vermont, and it sold out. Wow. Um, so. You know, again, regardless of politics, whatever you think about the man, the man has been consistently uh, in the Senate, you know, fighting very hard for Americans. He is very passionate, very easy to, you know, <laughs> to impersonate. He also has had some great conversation with Cardi B, <laughs> and he's united Americans at a time when we really kind of need to be able to sit down and, and chat with one another. So I'm nominating Bernie Sanders. What's your favorite one? Oh, it's so freaking hard. It, okay. Because they're all funny. They're all funny. But one of my favorites is it's Scorpion and Sub-Zero fighting in Mortal Kombat, and he's sitting in the throne like Shang Tsung. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the Dirty Dancing one where he's in the corner. <laughs> Nobody puts Bernie in the corner. Yeah. What's your favorite one? Um, I got two. That I kind of like the one. It's very subtle, but it was the one for The Exorcist, where instead of... <laughs> The Exorcist being in the you know with the shadow from the the, the window coming onto the street, mm. it's it's him in the chair <laughs> sitting there. The two well, the first one the um, Jamie Lee Curtis did. Oh, she that was the one that posted that, that was great. That was great. The other one that made me laugh was the um, last scene of Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, where it's him sitting on oh, Jabba's yeah. throne. Yeah, it was him. <laughs> yeah, that, that that one made. There's me a lot laugh. of good Star Wars ones. One that I kind of found funny, just because my little girl likes this movie, and we've talked about how a lot of y'all don't like the movie, but it's the Sound of Music one. Did you see that one? Yeah. Okay. I did not see that one. And it, it just shows, it says raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and Bernie and mittens, and it's it's him sitting among the children. That's that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a there's one that if you're not from here, you're probably not gonna understand. Oh yeah, there's tons of Mardi Gras. Tons of, of not New even Orleans. Mardi Gras. No. There's one in particular. And that is Bernie sitting outside of Scuttlebutt Strip. <laughs> I did yeah. see that. Oh, one. Waiting, because if there's a there's a, and I have a whole bunch of them on my, my iPad here, but like there's there's a uh, this little pink building called Scuttlebutt. It's a strip club like in Slidell, so you you don't even see it. But whenever you get there's never anyone in the parking lot. I don't know how this place is still open. <laughs> it may not be. And it looks oh, like yeah. it used to be like a Tasty Donuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, gentlemen, if you have to vote for someone other than your own, who would it be and why? I'm going to vote for the guy who's willing to wait for it. I'm going to go with Leslie Odom. Um, I'm going to go with Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, who are you thinking about, Gregor? Um, I'm actually, like, it's hard for me to vote against Elizabeth Olsen for all the reasons you mentioned. But I also never fail to recognize someone from Hamilton, so I think I'm going to go with Leslie Odom Jr. You know what? I'll go with Leslie Odom as well. I was listening to Sam Cooke mostly because of, yeah. because of his performance. What? Another fun-filled weekend. Leslie Odom, you, you come and hang out with us. Please. We, we we're willing to wait for you. We're, yeah, and if you want to shoot one of us, make it Ryan. But, uh, <laughs> That's fine. But, but yeah, we're, we're willing to have that happen too, and then you can sing about uh, how you're the villain in our history. Yeah, and tell us about your experience working on uh, Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> oh, shit. I, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Right. He was good in that too. He's good in everything. What a yeah. really good actor. He even did a good Nationwide is on your side music thing. Remember that one? He was. That was before right. I even knew who he was in Hamilton. Well, remember, as always, there are many places to find us. You can find us on Anchor Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you listen to us, uh, subscribe, share it, and please follow us on uh, social media as well. Also, go to our website, share that website out, because you know anywhere you go, you're helping us support the show and to keep here coming and, and having conversations with you. If there's a Nicolas Cage movie we haven't seen that you want us to see. I, you know what, honestly... Someone recommended one to Ryan. Yeah, uh, the, 
was it the color of space or something? The color of space. The color of space. And the, we, me and Glenn watched the trailer. It looks pretty crazy. And I might do like a cage movie a week. I mean, I don't know. I think, I, well, I actually just, I went to Netflix and Hulu and I just searched for Nicolas Cage. And a lot of those, so the, the write-offs are there. This is sounding like, and again, if you're not a little bit, you don't know, not even know what I mean by this, but this this cage movie of the week sounds like something you'd watch on, on 26. Yeah. On like Saturday morning. Yep. Like Saturday or, morning. or it would be like a good Morgus, Morgus <laughs> Presents. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. It's been, uh, been a pleasure once again. This has been Greg. John. Glenn. Ryan. We will see you next week.